I want you to imagine two platforms. On one, there's a faster train which is bumpy, maybe hard to stay on. It has challenges, but it also has exciting people on board and it has the potential to get you to your destination quicker. On the other side of the tracks, there's a slower train. It's much easier to ride. It's a higher quality of life. But for this one, you have to have patience. It may not even be going to the same destination. Now, there's no right answer here because you can complain no matter which train you're on. You can sit on the fast train and complain about your quality of life. And you can equally sit on the slow train and complain about its speed or direction. The good news is that you get to change tracks whenever you want. And you're in control most of the time as to which train you start with. Which train you get on, in this metaphor, is one of the biggest questions I get asked. And I think it's one of the biggest questions people leaving university ask. Do I move to London and get on the fast train? Or do I go home into a regional setting and try and make work in one of the UK's smaller cities? For this chapter, I have collated responses, opinions, testimonies from friends in the industry, special guests from the podcast, and my own musings to give you what I hope will be a kind of pros and cons side to both sides to help you make this decision if this is which stage you're at. As ever, this is The Director's Diary. I'm Alex Palmer. It's no one's intention ever to share a diary, so if you're listening to this, keep it close and use it well. So, I think I've got to say, as a kind of prologue to this, I've got to be aware of my own biases, um, and for that, so do you. So, although you will be hearing from other people's testimonies, I think it's through a lens, or my own lens, my own bias, is that of making a conscious decision not to go to London. So I think that's important to just foreground um, because that is my lived experience. So let's continue. So for each of the arguments, on one side we've got London, on the other side we've got regions. For each of them I've come up with a kind of for and against. I don't think it is as simple as for London or for the regions. I think they both have pros and cons. So the, the main one for London, let's start there, um, is there's, there seems to be an unlimited amount of op- opportunities there. And that is, I think, one of the main reasons people go to London, is because it has this feeling that even if you catch a small fish in a big pond, it's going to be, um, you know, I've lost my train of thought in the metaphor, but it's going to be as as good as the regions, right? Even if I do it on a small scale, I'm going to be doing something that's somehow bigger than what I could do um, in the regions. Maybe, I don't know. But the the sense of the opportunities that are available. I guess, on the other side of the coin, more opportunities means more competition, means more people going for the same spaces. So I think that's something you've got to balance. So it's not just... I think... I think... I I actually don't know whether the amount of people going for um, opportunities... Is, is the ratio higher or lower than the regions? Maybe it's the same, but I, I, I would need to look at that, I think, if I was going. But but I also think that's an impossible thing to actually get to the bottom of unless you sift through all of the data. And I also think it depends on the opportunity itself. So if it's like a, um, 
yeah, maybe that's important to like nail down. Like, what do we mean by opportunities? Like, if it's a assistant director on a production, that's obviously one role that a lot of people are going to go for, and I think a lot more people are going to go for that if it's in London than if it's in a regional theatre. So, there's your there's your prime example. If it's kind of one one place or one position, there's one one spot available. I, I I mean having th- having thought about it for a little bit I think the ratio is higher I think you're you're less likely across the board because I think the volume of people going for these opportunities is so high and I think the reason for that is that people could be applying to London positions from the regions so there's a and I don't think it works in the same volume the other way I think you would only go the other way if you've had if you have some sort of connection with that region or that city or that place that it's in. Okay, some um some musings from from the industry. So these people will remain anonymous. Um but these are people who are living and making work in London. So a lot of people said that they moved to London for the social side of things. Um and one person particularly said that they can live and have the social side of London whilst also working in the regions, which I thought was quite interesting. And then I said, I kind of gave a follow-up question, said, what's the biggest challenge about this? And they said, spending your life on delayed trains with excessive luggage and negotiating which productions I can work on in which days, which I found quite useful. I think, you know, if you are living in London and working elsewhere, you're going to have to factor in that kind of travel and that that type of life I guess you know if you're if you're living in the regions hopefully you're making work close by so that your commute is easier your quality of life is higher and they went on to say that a tip that they found um, when in this scenario is to find your community find your safe place Um, and I would echo that for anyone in the arts actually I think that's so so useful um and for me that comes out of the industry that comes from sporting clubs and um local community groups that are not focused within the industry at all so on a personal note the thing that i'm doing is i've started playing cricket cricket again um and i'm also starting coaching the under 11s team which has its own sort of challenges and I'm getting back into the coaching mindset, but um, it's really useful and it's a really useful breaker in my week when I know that I can't actually think about anything other than sport. So finding that community, finding that same safe space, also finding that community who, who don't actually know the industry either so that you can talk generally about it and I think that it kind of helps that elevator pitch when you're talking to people who who have no idea but it also kind of puts it into perspective when you hear other people's uh, trials and tribulations for their work and you and you realize that you're okay well you know the industry is not the be all and end all so um that's for London against London we've got a kind of running theme of it seeming a bit cutthroat it seeming a bit fake 
and there was a lot to say or a lot of people said um, about the financial side of London which I don't think is a big surprise um, but there were some kind of key key people in the industry who are kind of 30 or 40 plus in age um, who are still renting so I think this is a that was quite shocking to me um, I'm 29 I bought a house last year um, having been able to quite save quite well for like nine years um to try and scramble together a deposit that was quite shocking because these are people i've can i consider to have in quotes made it and they're quite big figures i think this is not i don't think this is for or and against in terms of the renting in london because i think it's a personal choice and i think it comes down to where you see your life going and and what do you see yourself owning or not owning or the quality of life you have or because a lot of these artists are living with other adults of the similar age not necessarily in the industry but kind of it is that kind of um it's, it's kind of like uh the friends set up in terms of the um you know, with the two apartments and kind of six um, adults living together. It's that kind of feel. I think the thing that I'm finding the most challenging in this debate is um, the jealousy of people who have a family home in and around London and the ability to live there for free and, and be in close proximity to London. I think... If you're in that position, it would make complete sense to be on the for London side of things because you're not having to spend a lot of money. You're not well, you're not having to get a part time job to pay for the for your rent to just like purely exist in London. So that's I mean, that is I mean, I'm gonna call it that is the privilege of some people in the industry that they are from London. And that they haven't known anything else. And I know I'm at risk of sounding like sour grapes a little bit. But um, but yeah, I think that is... Um, that alone makes it a massive barrier for most people, I think. And myself included, I've got to be honest. A lot of testimonies from people in the industry and a lot of the ex-special guests of the podcast... No, they're still special guests, aren't they? They're not, they're not ex-special guests. They are still special guests for the podcast... Um, but previous special guests, that's the one. Um, a lot of them said that they stayed or um, or studied in Leeds or Manchester or Birmingham, whatever, and they made connections there while they were studying. And that's what that's purely the reason why they stayed is because they made the connections, and it felt like starting back at square one, moving anywhere, let alone you know, let alone London. But why would you give all of that up? Um, so I think if you're listening to this and you're in first, second, third year at uni, I would try and start, if you haven't already, making those connections so that if you are wanting to stay wherever you are, you've got those kind of ins with the industry or contacts or like that's the time where you're not pressured in the same way financially to kind of get up and going because you know you're going to be at uni for three years 
And if you finished uni, I mean, it's never too late. And I think that's the answer. It's that that's the first step is to try and get those connections within that um, within that city. So um, another thing that came out of the testimonies from people who've stayed in the regions is that they found, or that the reason for staying was um, that they felt like there was more support from local theatres um, in terms of schemes for assistance or whatever that is for the emerging. That they felt, and they also felt that the local theatres were more supportive and more um, open, I guess, um, and, and accessible. Um, that is was also an interesting find because, in my personal opinion, I found these to be very competitive. Um, whether or not they are more or less competitive than London, and whether that actually matters, I don't know. But um, but that's something to bear in mind. I'm going to read another testimony that said the value lay in the regions more than it did in London. Um, it felt like there were the po- the possibilities of different conversations, connections, and ways of doing art that were less possible in London. It offered meanings of value that differed from the mainstream values. So, what I, I and I I feel that, um, and I agree with that, and I think what I would distill from this as a kind of point of view is that doing the same thing in the regions is more impactful than doing it in London it's that kind of um it's actually the opposite of what we said about the opportunities like if you get an opportunity in London it seems bigger but if you do something in the regions it's more impactful because it's a smaller pond I guess is if we're using the fish analogy on this as well and this is something that I say to my mentees the the on on the fact that of like being more impactful i absolutely love making work in in the regions in leeds because i see it as a brilliant microcosm of bigger cities it's a really useful training ground or it has been for the last 5 years and like what what do i mean by that i mean it's well it's cheaper to make work it's cheaper and easier potentially to find space and you get to test out ideas and importantly fail small before you've made it big or before you've I mean making it big sounds ridiculous but like um I don't mean that I mean before you move on to bigger productions and bigger budgets with scale where the stakes are a lot higher and where where you've kind of um yeah made it um sometimes you get these kind of um great edinburgh shows that transfer to london and often these are maybe first or second shows of companies and the when talking retrospectively they wish they hadn't got so big so quickly because they wish they'd learnt more whilst they were kind of more unknown so there's a kind of like risk of success, which is weird because we're all striving for it. But like, I would say making work on a smaller scale with smaller, with smaller, 
audience numbers or the where the risk is smaller. And I don't want this at all to sound belittling to regional regional artists or people who make work in regions. It's not that at all. It's that you are able to hide a bit more, I think. Um, and I also think, I think that's a bit of a problem with the industry because you don't necessarily get the national, if you're a small to medium company, for example, it's harder to get the national press or national partners or theatres to come and see your work in the in the regions. I think that's a big problem with the industry, the kind of centralisation of London, and it has been for a long time. But it also could play to your favour, is, is I guess what I'm saying. So I'm not condoning it, but I'm saying it does play for you in some circumstances. There was also something that I saw online that I wanted to share with you, and something that's really helped me... Um, tweak how I see the world and no scratch that something that actually made a bigger impact than I thought it was going to be Um, it's a quote and the quote goes um, this guy's talking about um, being in the kind of corporate suites of big big brands and he says having spent years working with some of the biggest brands in the world, it's really clear to me that people and brands in every industry continually fall into the trap of become, of believing that to become number one, they have to replicate whoever is number one at the time. But when you look closely at the category leaders like Apple, Tesla, Joe Rogan, Gymshark, Messi, I would debate that with uh, Ronaldo, but that's another question or Beyonce, you know, these big uh, category leaders, it becomes exceptionally clear that the category leaders are defined by and win based on their uniqueness, not their similarity. Therefore, replication isn't the path to first place, but it is a strong indicator that you'll never get there. Real innovators have the conviction to take a bet on, on their own uniqueness even though they're often even though there's often little proof that their uniqueness will work but real innovators don't need assurances from existing blueprints or market evidence because they're guided by their own crystal clear principles values and vision so i hope that chimes with you i think it chimes a little bit with what we're saying here because i think part of the reason why people do make this decision for or against london is often with the context of wanting to build something or wanting to replicate something. Um, And I think that's a dangerous thing to do. And what that quote shows us is that people who are guided by their principles or their values and vision, rather than replicating whoever is number one in whatever field you're in those people who stick to their vision stick to their values often turn out to be number one after time anyway so i think there's a lot in this chapter about kind of advice or like what things are for other people but i think you've got to take everything 
that I've just said with a little pinch of salt, even my own advice, because I'm coming from bias, but all of these people are coming from bias one way or another. I think if you go back to distilling really what it is you want to do, what are your principles, what are your values, and then hopefully that will guide that decision because all that all then you need to work out is how do I fulfill these values to the best of my ability. One final thing, um, please, please, if you found any of this useful or any of the previous chapters useful, please could you leave a review on wherever you're listening to it. It really does help the podcast. Next time we are joined um, by some brilliant guests, guests who I didn't in my wildest dreams imagine that would be that would be on this podcast it's an absolute privilege to talk to them until then stay safe